Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are we doing today, Amon? What's up? I'm doing well. I'm excited because today we're going to do something that we've said we're going to do for a long time, and it's always nice to finally achieve what you set out to achieve, Jesse. That's very true. Also, there's a first time for everything. This will be my first time as a creator to do one of these. Is it really? Isn't that nuts? Somebody who's been doing this for like a decade in this sphere, but it's almost like I avoided it. It's almost like you avoided it. To me, it's either the greatest thing you've ever done or the most foolish in terms of podcasting. Okay. We'll see after today for sure. Because <laughs> it's happening. So, but it's good. Yeah. We are going to do a aforementioned ranking system slash tier list of the models that are in Shatterpoint out in the world. And today, it's going to be part one of this, Amon, and we're starting with the supports of Star, of Star Wars Shatterpoint. And this is less a power gaming ranking system, and this is more of a way to facilitate discussion, you know? Yeah, and I think we should probably define how we want to set up this tier list. But before we do that, Jesse, we have some people to thank. Hello there is supported by our patrons at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and, and joining our private Discord community. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And this is a good example of a patron-related thing because we are going to be doing video content in the coming future. And this is one of the first videos we're doing for the patrons only. We've got some producers to thank on the show. We need to thank our producers, Rusty Jedi Survivor, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. And of course, our executive producers that make every episode of the show happen, the ultimate producers in the galaxy, Sith and Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Daimyo Matt. Thank you for all you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And of course, we're just really grateful and thankful for everyone who's involved with our patron community. That's right. Can't highlight enough how amazing everyone is. And man, these games are getting fierce in these leagues, man. They're getting really intense. Good stuff. Absolutely. We also have another league going on right now, separate from our top cut. A continuation of the episode two with a consolidation league, which is very exciting. Yeah, I think it was a good opportunity for a lot of newer patrons to get in at this time, as well as some of the individuals who didn't make top cut can still play, own your skills, get your games in, of course, but then, you know, set up some bars and some goals for the following episode three league and try to get the top cut there. Hopefully we'll hit 40 players for the next league, which is very exciting. I think we will. And if you're on the fence, maybe now's a good time to jump in and check out the community and get ready for that next league coming up. Facts. Of course, Simon, we have two partners to thank real quick today that make Hello There happen, and we highly recommend their products for your own Shatterpoint enjoyment. First of which is Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site, your resource for everything Shatterpoint and other miniatures gaming. We love his trays where you can take them to tournaments, an easy way to transport your minis, your premier lists per se for Shatterpoint because Mr. Laser does have a premier list tray and you can use the code hello there five at Mr. Laser's website to get 5% off his already discounted rate. Absolutely. We also have a great partnership with Imperial Terrain, which is the premier provider and supplier of Star Wars themed terrain for Star Wars tabletop games, namely Star Wars Legion and Star Wars Shatterpoint. 
the team over there has really stepped up and added a lot of cool and exciting products to their Shatterpoint line specifically. So if you're interested in any of their digital products, use Hello There 5, all lowercase with the number 5, just like the one for Mr. Laser, to get 5% off all digital products. Absolutely. We highly recommend both. Well, Amon, let's get into our main topic today, which is our Shatterpoint support unit tier list. Yeah, I'm excited to do this one. So I think we should set some ground rules on how we're evaluating all of the units as well as what these rankings mean. So I debated very heavily if we should do an S tier or not. But ultimately, I think for most tier lists, there is that A through D with S being that upper echelon, those pushing that bell curve as far as they can, if not breaking through that bell curve that AMG likes to reference so often. So that's what we decided to do today. So the highest rank is S, which we will use sparingly to define that rank. An S tier rank is a unit that is always a good option, regardless of what list they may or may not be in. They may break through the barrier of tags. And when comparing them against other units, they are the clear victor. And then D, which is the lowest rank, is units that struggle. It's very hard to justify their inclusion, perhaps, or they just tend to perform below, significantly below that bell curve again. And so the it's an exciting opportunity for us to really just mess around and have fun, but also share our thoughts personally on where we think these support units rank. And we'll obviously take into account a couple things, their combat ability and how they perform as individuals, their ability to augment and support multiple units and their teams overall, how easy it is to list build with these units. And then of course, their overall efficacy when you take all three of those things into consideration. Jesse, did I miss anything? Is there anything you'd like to add? One thing I'd like to add, maybe a little bit of more expanding on S and D in particular, because I think the S tier, everything Amon said, right back at you. But additionally, in game systems, typically S tier is something that is outside typically the game balance reaches. You know, It is far exceeding the normal bounds of the game. And in fact, S tier is frequently not only plug and play anywhere, like Amon said, but frequently too good, right? And maybe it needs to be addressed. D being the opposite of that, where as Amon was saying, maybe they're not quite to the level, but additionally too, you did mention S can pretty much fit anywhere. D typically only fits in very niche lists. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their, their role fillers, right? So, and I think with tier lists, something people have always said over the years with game design and development, ideally every model's in B, right? Ideally. Ideally. But, and that would make a more balanced, perfect game system. But that's not the way things are. But that's where the, the sweet spot you really where you really want to be. So when we're talking A and S in particular, they're outside of that normal game balance bounds in theory. Yeah. And C and D are obviously below. But with all that, I think we just gotta get right into it, Amon, because it's gonna be a pretty interesting discussion. Me and Amon have not discussed any of our thoughts before. And I also think we're going to get some fun conversation because we're going to try to fight for all these models today too and talk about what they do in the game, right? And like, we're going to talk about maybe where they fall in this ranking, but at the same time, why and what do they do? I do want to add the caveat that we're not going to be doing Lando and R2-D2 inside job or lovingly known as Bar2-D2. And we won't be using the Wolf Pack as well, the Wolf Troopers as well, because while those cards have been partially revealed, they do not tell the whole story and we cannot evaluate these units without obviously getting game time with them or looking at their 
cards as a whole, and those just aren't options right now. Well said. Yeah, we need to have all the information to do this, and so maybe something we return to in the future. So, also, we have no experience with those models either, right? So, we don't have all their information, and then no experience. So, I think we're going to start right at the top of the alphabet today, Amon. Keep it really simple. Start with the two twelfth clone troopers. Oh boy, this is going to be one of the toughest ones right out the gate. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And Jesse, I think we have tried to preach their usefulness on the battlefield and specifically the strength of pin my personal feelings is i would argue that pin could be in contention for the second best condition to put on an enemy fighter in the game but let's just very quickly talk about their strengths and weaknesses so jesse as our self-proclaimed republic enthusiast what are your thoughts on the 212th i'll let you go first yeah absolutely so my thoughts on the 212th are they are those long-range gunners in the game. That's their intention. But with that comes them being extreme glass cannons. They're some of the most fragile units in the entire game. Their range defense is four. Their melee defense is three, respectively. Lowest of any characters we see in the game, like in that range. But with only four steps on their tree, they can do a lot of damage. They can consistently do six or seven damage if they get through those four steps of their tree. And they have pinned on their coordinated fire, and they have pinned on their first step of their tree. And a really fun play pattern with these characters and why I like them a lot is you're either giving pin during your other allies' activations or you're giving pin during your activations, right? Pretty much every time with these characters. So in theory, you can spread the pins out to everyone. <laughs> now, the hardest part of these guys, as I say, when you get four spots in, you're going to do six, seven, maybe even eight damage. If you hit that coveted expertise, right, with all the auto damage built in, you rarely get to the fourth spot on their tree because they're clones and they just typically don't get down their tree all the way. So it's only four spots, but hard to get there. Yeah, those are interesting point because I have a little bit of recency bias because I played against them very recently and they were consistently hitting six damage on each attack. <laughs> And it was not fun. They can really put the heat on if they are doing this, right? They're getting through their tree. So interesting, Amon. Very interesting. But keeping with the clone theme, they have some of the worst defensive expertise in the game. That just adds to their fragility, right? And, you know, they melt very quickly. And those coordinated fires immediately start costing force, which is tough. Yeah. And again, I think the pinned is really good. But for seven salmon and two durability, they're just a little on the weak side for me. I, I do think that they're definitely in the conversation when building Republic lists, especially Premier lists, you know, you're probably going to want to include them in it. Oh, you have to. But if we're looking in a vacuum, and unfortunately that's kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to these tier lists, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze in a vacuum. That's tough, right? Because we are looking in a vacuum with other supports, but we are also looking at their role in the game, you know? So it's like, right. it's very difficult. This is why tier lists are very subjective. We could be completely wrong and all this stuff. So my initial gut, Amon, is if we're looking at this true ranking of these five spots, my first initial gut with these characters, because I have played them a lot, is that they fall on the lower end of B. Mm, okay. So I might be a little harsher with them. Mm-hmm. I think they're top you of might. C. Well, sounds like a similar spot though, right? We're in. So where do you want to put them for now? Because I think as this tier list goes on, some of these ones riding the bubble, we're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to. I'm okay with putting them in B for now. So I've put them there. However, I think they'll get knocked down when we compare to what else is in B. Fair enough. We'll see. Yeah. And I think there might be more in A than we're even thinking. So B might not be as robust as we think, but I don't know. I'm really curious the way this goes. I have no idea how it's going to go. Sure. Yeah, let's figure it out. Well, 
that's our 212th spiel. Let's move on to the 501st clones. And we're already in a difficult spot here, Amon, because this is one of three units in this entire list that is three point costs. So we're already judging it differently from the rest of the things in this list that are four, right? So that's something to think about right at the gate. And that gets even exacerbated with the other three costs that are coming up, <laughs> notably so, who might actually be four costs that somehow got priced for three. So I think that's a good way to frame this because once again, the two list is not perfect because point cost matters too, right? Mm. Because if these guys were four, I think their stats would be slightly different. For sure. But given the fact that they are only worth three points mm-hmm. and they are already comparable to the two twelfth makes me think that if we're going to put them on this list, they should rank higher than the 212th. Oh, because of the point costs? Yeah, because think about it. They're also 7-2. They also have defensive maneuver and coordinated fire and brother-in-arms. They have the exact same ability suite. It's just strain versus pin. Yeah, and they're, but their expertise is real bad on their guns. And the 212s have really good expertise on their guns. Something we didn't mention, but didn't mention our episode. They are the snipers, right? So that makes sense. They have a lot more consistency, but my gut right out the gate with 501st, because I think 501st get a bad rep, but I mean, rightfully so for some of the other characters in the game, I would just put them just barely below the 212s in the list. Okay, so this is interesting because I think we're disagreeing a little bit, which is great. Mm-hmm. If 212th is the bottom of B, they, these guys would be top of C. These I guys guess. are C. Yeah. Okay. I can get bored with C because I think, yeah, they do struggle quite a bit. Okay, so 212th in B for now 501st in c yeah and these guys could get shifted down but i already have a gut feeling i'm on and maybe i'm already not trying to tinge my answers going forward because i'll definitely surprise myself or you'll surprise me but i have a gut feeling that maybe d is going to be very scarce if not completely open yeah i doubt there'll be anything in d to be honest the supports are pretty well designed in this game yeah i just think republic supports in particular need some help they're all at the bottom yeah and they're all going to be at the bottom of this potential list as I'm sure most people would agree. The 501st do have more options on their tree, but they're less consistent. So we're giving them that spot. But we're going to jump next to, we're going to immediately jump to another Republic unit that is a lot better in theory. The ARF clone troopers. Not even in theory, Jesse. In practice and in miniature design and in aesthetics and honestly everything, man. They're very good. Now, they're also seven and two in terms of stamina durability. They Mm -hmm. have defensive maneuver. They got brothers in arms. They have coordinated fire exposed, which is arguably the best condition to put on an enemy unit, especially in shifting priorities. And who knows, maybe in the sabotage mission pack as well. We'll have to see. Top of that, they have another innate ability called lay low. This is where it gets a little silly. Yeah. So they're already, as long as they have a hunker token, they're adding an expertise to their role, which means on every defense role they make at range, they're getting a guaranteed extra block into the role. Right, so they have the same expertise that the 212 have on defenses, but right out the gate, they're potentially just having better expertise guarantees because of that little expertise that's for free them with them. But that said, they have horrible defensive expertise because they have the same as 212. Um, a lot better attacking expertise than the 501st, though. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you compare, in fact, any of the two aforementioned units, the 212 or the 501st, with the ARF troopers, there's just no competition. Which part? Just all of the above? All of it. In what situation would you ever take one of those two over these 
if they're available. The coolest thing that 212 have that neither one of them have is obviously tons of da- auto damage on their expertise tree. Now the clones mentioned yet have that, but yeah, you're right. You're just talking about like as the whole package, right? These guys are a little bit more rounded is what it is. But I also think they support that Republic's playstyle more because Anakin, Mace, Vader want to kill stuff and the coordinated fire expose allows you to do that. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, expose is kind of silly in the game right now, right? We know that. But pinned is also really good, as you just said. And something that's also I'm sure you experienced in that recent game I'm on with the 212th is every clone has pinned as their first spot on their tree, right? So other clones are triggering pinned on top of the targets that 212s have already pinned. You're getting more free auto damage on targets, right? Which is something clones need because auto damage is sometimes the only way they can do damage. I don't disagree with you. And, and I, I get it. I hear you. I hear you, man. The 212th are. I think we are trying to champion them a little bit, and yeah. I agree with you. I just don't think there's... They're good, but there's no competition with the ARF, and and I don't think they're broken, though, the ARF troopers. Some people might think that they are, no. but I don't no. think they are, and I think they're definitely an A-tier unit. I would say so. They might end up being the bottom of A by the time this list is said and done, but I definitely think they're in the A category, and I don't think they're broken either. They are three cost. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet, but that's part of their pow- their power is that they're consistent for a cheap cost, which is great. Very consistent. And another thing that we haven't touched on much yet is that the ARF troopers also have quite a bit of universal appeal as well, because anytime there is a seven or six cost primary unit, you can slip them in as long as they have the Galactic Republic tag. It's great. And so Anakin loves them. Vader, Mace, we talked about that. But if you just need a decent unit to sit in the back, you could swap them in as well, depending sure. on whether you have a ranged or melee play style. When you're already seeing one of the themes we're going to encounter today, Amon, is characters in A and S don't necessarily need synergy. They can't just be slotted in, right? As good stuff models, right? Because they're above that curve where the game's intended, that B spot, right? So that's a good point. Republic lists love the ARFs, but probably any list could play the ARFs just because they are that solid and they're good point costs. So I think it's, I think it's, a good call, putting them in A, but let's move on past some Republic. We'll come back to some Republic later because we are going through the alphabet here, and let's cover the B1 battle droids. So a couple notable things about the B1s right at the top. Massive health pool with protection if they're playing the game, which in theory you should always be playing the game correctly, and especially with these characters, they can get back on points with all the separatist movement. Order deck manipulation and giving out conditions of strain and expose, right? When battle droids are performing attacks around them. What are your thoughts on the B1s, Mom, before we get into their tree and stuff? Yeah, 9 and 2 is great. That's what you want in a support unit. Even in melee, it's kind of hard to one-shot them outside of maybe niche examples of Maul, Vader, or Windu, maybe even Anakin. Outside of them, it's it's quite difficult to get through and chew through 9 stamina. Three-cost unit. Exactly, especially with protection. So for me, I think they're like the quintessential separatist support unit. I think if I want any support unit actually in this game, I think if they were comparable to B1s, I would be happy, right? I think my challenge with the clones is that they're worse than the B1 battle droids. For sure. And that feels bad because if you watch any of the animated stuff, you could argue that two clones are better than six droids, right? But it is what it is. It's how the cookie has crumbled. So for me, I would put them in B tier. I think they're solid, safe. They're not overtly oppressive. They're not weak. They're fair. They're stable. I can get behind that. I think they're the absolute top of B, and they're probably going to hold that spot. I don't, 
Yeah, I just don't think the two twelfth are in B still. I'm I'm really especially if we're gonna put B ones in B. Why? Well, I, I also would say that B ones might be bottom of A. That was my initial gut feeling. Fair. We can explore that. But we'll see where it goes. But I think that I'm on that bubble is a good spot for sure. Yeah, and especially because once we complete the tier list, we can then reevaluate and say this doesn't look like it's matching up or not. But these are initial gut feelings and then we'll readdress. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, well, let's move on to the next character, which is the B2 battle droids. And this is a little tough to compare right back to back because they are similar but different. B2s are really good. I like them. Protection on all the time with eight stamina. They do cost four, but man, do they do so much more damage on their tree than the B1s. And they have the auto damage on their expertise, so they frequently just roll expertise and get damage through before you even... I had to worry about the tree or how much you got through the tree, right? That's frequent with them. They also melt in melee, though, similar to the 212th, right? That's something that's a weakness of them. So, But that protection in eight, eight stamina helps more than you would think. I agree. Shatterpoint certainly feels more of like a melee-centric game. And so I think that's why we've seen Separatists take a step back in terms of their popularity and their dominance in the game. However, again, I think this is a fantastic designed unit. There are clear strengths, clear weaknesses that your opponent can't exploit. They don't feel too oppressive. They can have really good moments. They don't feel too weak either because they always kind of do what you need them to do. I mean, again, recency bias, but I've played a game very recently where, you know, one one of these guys hits you for nine damage. It doesn't feel good, right? Oh, yeah. And they can, eat, they can do more than nine. They got the, the expertise as well, right? 10 or 11. I mean, that's unusual for a support. Yeah. Unusual. If you roll like perfect, yeah, you're doing like 11 damage, which is really crazy, right? And so obviously that's the upper cap. And nine is also rare. But even if you get four steps into the tree, you're still doing six damage. That's more than enough from a support character. It's also very possible with their saturation fire, which costs a force, right? To add two dice to their attack rolls. Yes, exactly. You you could add a focus too. So now if you're rolling nine dice on a range five support, that's got all these things like damage from their expertise and a lot of damage a couple spots in them on. I mean, no matter what, if you get like three spots in, which can be really common for them, I mean, you're doing four damage and two shoves, right? Mm -hmm. Or four damage and a reposition. So, oh, something else we haven't talked about yet. The B1s and B2s, they're faster than everybody else. Yes, that also matters. That matters. That matters. Also, really cool models thematically and in the game mechanics to block ingress points, block objectives from being scored because they're bigger bases and bigger bodies, which you can do with both these models. Yeah, it's a double-bladed saber in this situation, though, because there are some gantries in some of these more custom maps where it's hard to get a big base character on there. And in fact, a smart opponent can stop your characters from completely entering that space as well. So goes both ways. But for me, Jesse... Actually, I said B for the B1s, so I want to get your take first before I share my thoughts on where to place the B2s. Nothing lower than B, that's for sure. Yeah. It's I definitely f- probably lower A. Okay, so I feel like we're we're like one tier away from one another in terms yep, of where we're like placing this. things. Good, good. I think they're certainly like a B tier. I don't think they're an A tier unit. Well, no, I guess that a lot of this too is going to be what ends up in S. Because I think, well, there's only one unit that we both know ends up in S. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Oh, I see what you're doing now, too. Okay. Yeah. Because if that person, if that unit is an S. Yeah, for sure. Right. And then there could be one more that's pushing S. Sure. 
We can talk about which that. Which is an obvious one. But okay, we'll get there. All right. So you want to put them in top of B? Yeah. I think they're comparable with the B1s. And so the only thing we have in A at the moment is ARFs? Yes. Okay. A is pretty open at the moment. Yeah. I feel like I'm a bit more of a um, harsher critic on yeah. these tier lists where I think you're being a little bit more generous, which is great because yeah. whatever w- ends up being the middle is probably where most people are at. Maybe. Yeah. I think I'm also thinking through the lens of like myself or an opponent piloting these that knows this model like the back of their hand. Fair. That knows every ability on the card, that knows what their tree can do. Case in point, someone who knows to play the B2s really well is very different from someone who just started with the B2s, right? Because there is a lot to learn, especially that movement stuff. Right. So if we assume that every unit is played at optimal skill level and, Mm -hmm. you know, given dice and everything else are average and draw order. I still don't think the 212th are the same rank as the wow. V1s and the V2s. There's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of these, you know. All right, well, let's move on to the bounty hunters. This one's going to be a little more interesting, and I think we're still refining our thoughts on this unit, right? Because we've, we've played them, we've played against them a lot, but they're still new. And they're one of those characters that's going to grow as the game goes on, right? Through the nature of payday and their point costs and everything. But let's just talk about their card real quick. At the start of their turn, they get to dash towards enemy character. For tactics, that's never going up in price with force. Excellent. It's just free. They also gain tools of the trade, which we know is either give an opponent disarm or gain sharpshooter two or impact two for the turn, giving you that dice consistency. And then they also have payday to take tags, which will continue to grow as the game goes on. They have eight stamina and the two durability as well. Their tree doesn't do B2 damage, Amon, but their tree's got a lot of consistent things happening. It's really interesting because I think. Payday is something that has been underutilized and underexplored. It's also fascinating because I don't know if payday matters. When it does, it's cool. But in order for this unit to like be performing at max efficiency, I don't know if it's needed. I mean, tools of the trade also is cool, but I sometimes think it's a trap ability as well in that, you know, your characters have sharpshooter impact. Okay, well, you still have to focus, right? So that still takes sure. up an action and a force. Disarming someone within three is actually very neat, though. And I think that is probably why Tools of the Trade is more important and more useful than compared to bumping up your attacks. Ironically, the part people use the least. Exactly. far, right? 100%. 8-2 is good on their stats. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about the Bounty Hunters is they have this universal aspect to them where they can kind of go into anything, which I think gives them a little bit more of a bump in terms of the evaluation. Their damage output is low, but they can start out with that coveted shove into damage. Yeah. Which is awesome. And if you really just need to take something out, you know, two to three steps into the tree, you're doing three to four damage. It's They're pretty good. No, they're pretty good. And I think they get better as the game goes on, like you said, and they obviously shine more in the premier format, right? And things like Payday do matter more in that. I agree and disagree with what you're saying about Payday, where it's like, Payday sometimes really does matter when it's like, oh, they're Galactic Republic and the ARFs just expose someone and they're shooting them now, right? Or Fifth Brother enfeebled someone because they're Inquisitorious now. That stuff matters because now they killed someone and they trigger the Grand Inquisitor's identity. There's a lot of like dominoes that fell because you did that payday, right? But you still have to like have all this foresight, you know? Is this the time I want to use payday, you know? Which is the hard thing to do, right? And so it makes them interesting. And their defensive expertise is not bad, you know? It's always yeah. nice to get one for one. They get two for three. And for four, they get two and a recover. So range five is is nice. You know, some of these characters don't have range five in the game, right? That shoot guns. 
<laughs> these guys do. Where would you put these guys among? Because I don't know if they're quite in the same class as a lot of the characters we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's interesting because like I want to put them in A, but I feel like they're probably a B. I think they're like the picture perfect B, right? Now, do we think that if we're placing them in B, they're better than the B2s and the B1s? I would put them behind the no, B2s. No, no way. Remember, I still think the B2s are bottom of A, I'm on, so. Okay. Do you think the bounty hunters are better than the B1s? I think so. I think they're very analogous, so I don't really know if it's better or not. More health and protection to me. Like I see that as a Republic player, and I'm like, if if I could only have that, if I could have a clone that had that amount of health and protection and maybe couldn't even perform attacks, it'd be better than what I have now. (laughs) So I think that's the bounty hunter's obviously a little bit lower health, right? And the protection really adds up. So I think it's a, a player preference thing for sure. For sure. Okay. So we'll slot them behind the B2s and the B1s. I'm cool with that. I think they're firmly like middle of B tier, maybe leaning upper B tier, which is fine. Yeah. And I think it's going to bring up an interesting conversation where it's like, I think if the B1s are better than them, which I think maybe they slightly are. Now let's look at that through the lens of the game as a whole. Well, the B1s really are at their best in Kalani-less, right? Mm. The bounty hunters can go wherever they want, right? So now we're looking at like the value of that, right? So that's a big part of it, right? Like you're not playing B1s without Kalani or Kraken in some capacity, right? So interesting questions coming up, you know, of, of this true tier list, you know, of is it is it accurate at all, you know? Is it accurate at all? Yeah, well, that's the fun thing about tier lists is we can be completely wrong and yeah. that's okay. I think we're close, but yeah, there's a lot of things that obviously will change in many months time, right? And it's like, maybe there's more droids in the game. B1s get better. Maybe there's more bounty hunters in the game. Bounty hunters get better. You know what I mean? This is just yeah. a snapshot in time. Agreed. Well, let's move on to the next unit, which is one that I'm quite excited to talk about, the Clan Kree's Mandalorians. Now, at first glance, not super exciting in terms of their raw like base stats, seven and two. Yep. But once we start taking a closer look and peeling the onion a little bit, we get some really cool stuff. I mean, you know, innate sharpshooter, awesome. Mandalorians are stronger together. You get that free focus action as long as you're moving them in the right direction. You generally do want to keep them as a unit paired up together. Jetpack, we've sang the praises. Amazing tool as a whole. And they're also one of those units where like, you can kind of slot them in wherever. I mean, obviously, you know, Mandalorians are stronger together, so you want to run them with either bow or gar. But the fact that they have quite a versatile nature when it comes to pairing with primaries as well as other supports, I think is quite fascinating. Not to mention their ranged expertise is pretty nice. So yeah, I think we're starting to get in some pretty sweet territory here. This is a good discussion here because I think this is a characters that are going to be tough to nail down. But I will say a point in the negative for them is no one thinks of them first when they think of Mandalorians in the game. And I, sure. I, I'm going to include Django and Mandalorians in quotes as well. All the people in the game with Mandalorian armor and jetpacks they're probably the lowest of people's minds, right? And I think we got to take that into account today because they they are very consistent, Amon, in a lot of ways, right? But they don't do that much damage at the end of the day. I mean, if they max out their tree, sure, they can do six, right? Which is which is fine, but I mean, we just discussed how the 212 can do more damage than that, right? And it, for less tree spots, right? But it's more the versatility of these guys with the jump, and the Mandalorians are stronger together. That's what it's, it's really about. It's the jump and the defensive expertise that makes them so good. Right. And then the fact that they can get focus for free, in theory, to help them be more consistent with their tree as well. 
which yes. is not high damage, but gives you lots of options. And I, what I do love about their tree is it has so many branching paths. That's my favorite part. I love to play these guys and just pepper my opponents with all the different conditions. And every time I like switch the tree and go a different way, give more different conditions, you know? So I think they're actually better condition givers and sh- shovers than they are like damage or anything like that, right? So Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you mentioned something about how you they're not the first Mandalorians you think of. I think that's fair, but I think when we get into like the Inquisitor support units, just because one is maybe the clear choice over the other doesn't mean the other one isn't good. In fact, I agree with in this. In most cases, I think, you know, this unit is great. I'll fight for my girl here. We've talked about on the show a lot. Yeah, we'll talk about her in a moment, but I think in terms of these clan clan Kree's Mandalorians, I think they're perfectly serviceable. I think they're better than the average support unit. Top of B. Very top. Top of B. Very top. Man, we are just misaligning today. Top of B. And so you think B2s are better than Clan Kree's Mandalorians? I definitely think they're like neck and neck, right? And it's depending on the list, right? Problem is, is both of them, Amon, perform their best when they have their other elements around them, right? Mm. Here's a good question. If you had to blindly grab one of them that had no synergy in your list whatsoever, so you're grabbing Clan Kree's Mandalorians with no Mandalorians in your list, you're grabbing B2s with no Kalani or whatever in your list, which one are you grabbing? That's just clearly to help you fill that four-point spot. The Clan Kree's. So maybe that's the answer. So, okay, well, if Clan Kree's are top of B, then yeah, B2s are in the B. Yeah, let's figure out where A and S land. And see if the B2s and Clan Kree's actually can sneak into A. I think Clan Kree's is bottom of A. I'm not sure they're A. So I think that helps frame where the B2s are for sure. Okay. But yeah, I think them and B2s could easily be top of B, right? Like, I don't think there's any disputing that. I don't think there's any world where the Bounty Hunters or B1s are better than either of these two units. No, I agree. So that, I think, solidifies B1s and Bounties being in B. That's right. Man, this is tough. It is. Let's find an A model and we'll get, we'll really, it'll, we'll start seeing the matrix. Okay. And I know one's coming up very soon. <laughs> I think it might be higher than A, but let's talk about him. Oh, yeah. Him? Yeah. I'm not looking at our alphabetical list, but continue the alpha. Let's talk about Fifth Brother. <laughs> Fifth Brother is nuts. He is nuts. So, jump, incredible. Coordinated fire, enfeeble. Of course, that'd be with Inquisitorious characters, but Vader, cough, Vader. Yeah, Vader. Like I just gave an example a minute ago, all the early characters have payday. They weird, have weird synergy with this guy. Protection and steadfast and inquisitorial mandate. He's just the ultimate solo on a point. And then force repulse when you have the force or when you get on your tree to push everyone away to guarantee you win the point is also insane. And we haven't even talked about his tree yet. Yeah, this guy slaps. Now, the interesting thing is what I've noticed in higher tables of play, higher levels of play at top tables. A lot of people, including myself, have decided to start benching Fifth Brother. And the reason being is because I can walk my bounty hunters over to the same point that Fifth Brother's at, or my B1s, B2s, Clan Kree's, Super Commandos, so on and so forth, and I just win the point. Why Fifth Brother? And that's a question you have to ask yourself, because I think, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, Fifth Brother acts more like a secondary in terms of his play style and his his combat ability and his performance truly for sure but supports are so essential to you capping points and winning the game and and in truth in their name supporting the rest of your force and your game plan but that being said in a vacuum he's pretty gnarly man like he can do so much in a vacuum he's better 
than a couple secondaries in the game. That's yeah, crazy. That's that crazy. crazy. And that's true. And that's a game balance thing. Either he's too high, they're too low, or both. It's, it's definitely both. So, yeah, I mean, he can do eight damage if he gets through all of his tree and gets his expertise, right? That's really good. That's primary levels of damage. That's like what Ahsoka does. He's got good defenses. What's not to love about the guy? The guy's insane, you know? He's very good. And the fact that he has force repulse and protection and steadfast when he's contesting active objectives, I mean, it's it's crazy. And I still think like if you're thinking about what four point unit you want to just throw in your list and you're not sure and you're looking at a wide variety of options, I will never fault you for going with Fifth Brother. And in fact, you know, Fifth Brother can walk up to, let's say, Clan Crease and just one shot them. Definitely. Definitely. Easily. Yeah. I think he's arguably the best support in the game. Yeah. He's overtuned. So he's he's meeting the S requirements. You could slot him in any list blindly if you wanted to and probably make it work. Right. So I think he meets all the S requirements for sure, Mon. I think he would be S. Facts. Let's go on to the next one then, because this one is going to be a very interesting conversation. Fourth sister. Fourth sister often gets overshadowed by fifth brother. And we've both said on this podcast many times, if fifth brother didn't exist, people would think fourth sister was amazing. But because they compete for the same slot and he is so overtuned, it makes it to where she isn't as appealing because he is factually the better choice. You can get cute and you can still win games with fourth sister, but in a min-max environment, he is just the better option. Right. For sure. So that immediately makes her only make appearances in all Inquisitorious lists, right? And that's essentially the only place we see her. So she's already following in that situation where I mentioned earlier, where could be a good model, but she only has niche lists she falls into, which is her current spot in the game at the moment. I hope that changes. So that's going to be some points against her, which is a bummer because I also think she's better than some secondaries in the game. Mm-hmm. Honestly. So... Yeah. And that's how you need to frame your thoughts on her. So if you ever if you ever put her way low in your in your brain, maybe start thinking: Is she better than Reva? Is she better than Cody? Is she better than X character? And then you say, "Oh, okay, maybe I'm not being fair to fourth sister." Reva's very bad, so it's very easy to be much better than Reva. But Reva is a secondary. Yeah, I'm just saying, like Reva is a terrible secondary. We'll get to secondaries later, Amon. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. How do you approach this without erasing brother from your mind? And you can't. You can't. But what I would challenge players is when you next time want to play fifth brother. Yes. Put fourth sister in. Don't have to put it in a high stakes game. Try it out. And you'll see that she does still quite do a bit. I mean, she has force pull, which is effectively whipcord and there is nowhere to hide from Maul and Django. So it's very enticing in terms of the displacement options. In fact, some would say that it's easier to use than force repulse in some situations. Enfeeble is interesting because if you're not playing with any other Inquisitorious units, it doesn't matter. Inquisitorial Mandate is still great. Swift Retreat is actually pretty fascinating and can really help unlock her. And I've seen some players use Swift Retreat to some great results when the fact is if she takes a damage, she can just reposition. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Like she's falling asleep, as we call the show. Like she's being wounded by the effect, right? But she's setting up for the next struggle. I mean, it's just free movement, right? So, yeah. I mean, I've been in a situation where Fourth Sister 
took out Maul. Maul must have revenge, took out Fourth Sister, and then I moved her to a point. And then I shatter pointed her later and got her to where I really needed her to get. Which is like way across the board, right? And she was gone. Maul was not a threat anymore. And she capped that point and she held it down because she out dominated the secondary character that was holding that point because of Inquisitorial Mandate. So she's very good. But again, when you compare to Fifth Brother, it's just tough, right? But for me, Jesse, she's an A. I like this. So you are approaching her through the lens of brother not existing. No, not even that. Brother exists, but he's Mm -hmm. an S. And if she's just a little below him, if she's the slightly less better version of him, then right naturally she would fall an A. I can't disagree with your logic. I was going to put her in B. No, I think she's an A, bro. She's good, man. I like this. No one else is going to put her in A, so let's do it. (laughs) For that, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see if there are any other tier lists out there that put her in A, but... I'm curious too. Keep in mind too, her tree's the same tree as Brother's tree, except that she has more defense on range. So she's also your range specialist. So honestly, get her and Ahsoka together, take out all those droids. They're not touching you guys, you know? So there's, she's got a place in the meta too. If you're, if you got a really heavy separatist meta, man, she is powerful. That pull on those large base models, our pull on Grievous ruins his day. And then all this defense against brain shots, you know, is really good for a support and unusual for a support. Mm-hmm. I'm really high on her as well. I'm on. I mean, I think we sing her praises on the show, and I think people aren't giving her a fair shake. So, if you think she's a, I think she's the bottom of a. But let's let's do it. Yeah, I still think the ARVs are better in terms of their application and their yep. impact on the battlefield. The ARVs are very good. I think ARVs could have a conversation for S tier, but I just don't think they're there. But they're close. They would have to have something inherently on their card that's like out of balance, fully. You know multiple spots of their card you know and three that's points. not the case yeah three points is is the most egregious spot but th- i think everything else is pretty much in line right so it's like yeah. like all clones should be like the arfs different flavors of that honestly i agree if and, all clones were as good as arfs i would be scared <laughs> <laughs> now that being said it would be fair the game would be maybe unfair all the supports would be even yeah I don't know if they'd Closer. be even. They'd be all, maybe Republic would be too strong. I think the biggest selling point for ARF is Expos. For sure. It's so nasty. Also, another shout out for Sister. Another point in that beat up on droids camp too. Her and Feeble is pent. Mm-hmm. So really wrecks droids as well. So keep that in mind. But speaking of droids, we got to move on to one of the cooler droids in Star Wars, the IG Magna Guards. 10 stamina. Durability yeah, of two. A- point cost of three. They automatically give your secondaries and primaries cover one. You don't need to have hunkers, right? You can cover one. They have intercede, so they screw up your primaries attacks, right? And they get to move for free when separatist primary units move. And we're not even talking about their tree yet, Amon, which is actually the best part of their card. No, I think we should talk about their tree. Definitely. Let's talk about their electro staff expertise, because as we talked about on the show, they were designed to be faster than humans. That's obvious here. You're going to get one expertise to give you one crit. Two expertise to give you two crits. Four expertise is giving you three crits. I mean, look, they're good. They don't miss. They don't miss. And I don't think not having a range attack is a detriment because Shadowpoint is very heavily favored in the melee space now in shifting priorities. And obviously, this can change. With 10 stamina. No, it's good. Who cares? I do think the Sabotage Showdown could improve the overall rating of all ranged characters moving forward because, um, number one, if you set the map up as they've described which all the information is there online you can see that sitting on the back row you still have access into quite a bit 
of the field and you can pump out a lot of shots at range five. But even then, it doesn't matter, right? Because these melee guys are so good. So I think Magna Guards, because they're so good in Separatists, they're great with Dooku, they're great with Vader, they're great with Anakin, honestly. Yeah, honestly, yeah. They're great with Mace. <laughs> you can throw them wherever you'd like. And I think they're a little too good in some instances. So for me, actually, you say it. I want to know what you're thinking. Well, yeah, two spots in the tree, sh- shove, shove, three damage. Nuts. And then the third spot is two more damage and reposition. Honestly. Crazy. Or disarm, which is awesome, right? So I think on their worst day, I'm on their top of A. They're S tier. You said it, not me. They're S tier, bro. Anybody can come fight me on this. I'm down. They're definitely S tier. Now, are they below brother? I think so. That's actually a tough conversation. It is a tough conversation because my brain just rewound that when I said that. And I also said, oh, wait, they're three. That's Dude, a yeah. factor. That's and a there's factor. two of them. There's two of them. That's right. And guess what? That oppressive Vader Grievous nonsense is running these guys and brother. Yeah. For good reason. But I'm just saying, I think they could be behind brother for now, but maybe our thoughts would change slightly. I think maybe unlike this discussion going forward, when we talk about secondaries, there might be a bigger gap between the S and A in that category, maybe. And I think this category, the S's are tight. Yeah, I would be happy with either of them being in front. And for me, like, I know that in this specific tier list, we're ranking each unit within their tier as well. For me, for sure. like, I just like to throw them in the tier. And whether you're top of tier or bottom of tier, you're just B or A or S. Okay, fair. That's how I tend to view things. For the sake of this exercise, I'm also... It's more fun. It is more fun to like debate the minutia within a rank. And so for me, like I really think it could go either way. But if you were to ask me which character needed a nerf, which unit needed a nerf, I actually don't know. Actually, I would my original thought would have been fifth brother, but now I can't decide. Oh, if it's just one of them. If it was just one of them, which one would you pick? I think fifth brother's got the whole package. That, so yeah. it'd probably be him. But if I were to nerf something on the Magnus, it would be reduce their crit efficacy. And keep, let them keep their other cool stuff, you know? Yeah, fair. That, that would that would be a good nerf for them. All right, Amon, let's jump to another great character. The Mandalorian Super Commandos. Eight stamina, two durability, jetpack. Mandalorians are stronger together. They also get no mercy, which is unique to them, that Clan Kreese does not have. When units leave engagement with them, they take two auto damage. In addition to that, their tree is real good. Yeah, they get impact one. It's the same conversation we had for fifth brother and fourth sister. If Clan Kreese is just below Supermandos, then Supermandos are automatically into A-tier, right? Definitely A-tier. They're the epitome of A-tier, I think. They're amazing. And I actually think they're better than the ARFs. For sure. Absolutely. And they're one of those models, bringing this back full circle. You can blindly grab these guys, and I don't think you would do that with the Clan Kreese. Agreed. Right? And frequently, we're seeing a lot of lists in modern day run these. Dathomarians are bringing these characters along with no Dathomarian synergy. Other lists are just grabbing them. Bounty Hunter lists are just grabbing them. There's a lot of things happening, right? I will say Mandalorian Super Commandos is lore accurate with Dathomarians. Absolutely. And there is fun synergy with Mother Talzin's hand, of course, because you can trigger that No Mercy, which is, like I said, the episode. But these guys are really good, Naman. They're, they're really good. I really like set. them. Anything else you want to say about them? No, they're great. Check them out. Try them. Great synergy. You can slot them in wherever. They're never really going to let you down. Worst case scenario, they sit on a point and hold it. Well said. Jetpack's never bad, right? Either. Because they can always get where they need to be. Zoom, zoom. This next one's going to be tough, Amon. 
This next one is going to be tough. The Naboo Royal Handmaidens are a very interesting unit. They're next on the list. Two characters in the unit, four points, eight stamina, two durability. What's really fascinating about this unit, these characters, is they are so dependent on Padme and Sabe that you have to evaluate them in that package. Yes. Because if you evaluate them outside of that package, they're actually quite bad. It's very similar, analogous to the B1s without Kalani or Kraken sort of thing, or a separatist list. Like, what world are you taking B1s without a separatist list? Never. But they're a great unit, right? These characters, you're not taking without the Queen, you're not taking them without Sabe, you're not taking them without, honestly, a Republic list, where your other squad has some Republic in it, right? Because they have Republic synergy as well. So already, they're more niche. They just are. Exposed flank is good. I like the climb. Inner seat, yeah. just like the Magnus, is pretty powerful. Coordinated fire disarm is something that I think the community doesn't talk about enough. Disarm is awesome. Yep. Their tree is pretty bad, though. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, they've got cool things they can do, but they're not removing people. Yeah. Like if you're not playing them with Padme and having them stay within range two of Padme at all times and coordinated fire from Padme. dying on the board and still holding a point due to Padme's leadership, then. I I just don't see the value in them. And so it's hard because this rule for this tier list specifically is taking into account their universal appeal, the versatility that this unit can bring to multiple lists. But then also, I think, as we just agreed, it's unfair to evaluate them without Padme and Sabe. So I don't know. I mean, I think to me, for this list, they are a C-tier unit. Because the way we're examining them? Yeah, I mean, I think outside of Padme, it's very difficult to justify their inclusion. They're so tied to one specific support unit. And even when you play them with Padme, sometimes they just die. Sounds like you're kind of describing the 501st, where it's like, I have a point restriction, so I have to play them. I'm playing Anakin Mace, so I have to play them, right? Sounds similar to that. But yeah, they definitely just die. Intercede is very powerful in the right moment, right? But Sabe also gives them a lot of support that they just can't function without. Yeah, and for that reason, like, I'd be willing to put them at the very bottom of B. For sure. But I still think they're better than the 212. I'm telling you, man. Once again, they're both role players, right? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, if you think these are C, then I could see the 212 and them changing places or being next to each other in some form, for sure. You don't think they're C? No, I was thinking... Bottom of B, honestly. Not very bottom, just, you know, bottom half, right? I mean, we could talk about what else we have at the bottom of B and kind of compare them to 12th, for example. I do think the 212th have more universal appeal than the Naboo Royal Handmaidens. That's a good way to say it. If we're going to dump or downgrade one of these to C, to me, it's the Handmaidens over 212th. But I can see the converse argument as well. The Padme lists that are always running Padme. Maybe you have a premier list and Padme is your anchor right? Then they're B. They're definitely B then, right? But I can get behind them being top of C. I'm on. Okay. Let us move on then to the Night Sister Acolytes, another pair of deadly women who are fire, honestly. They're very good. <laughs> um, seven and two. It's pretty standard, I think, at this point for most supporting units. They have a jump. The jump also gives them hunker. They have coordinated fire exposed. They also have the ability that if they have a hunker token, they get some sort of added benefit against range attacks. In this situation, 
It's an extra die to their defense roll. And whenever they're attacking a character with a range attack that is in engage with a Dathomirian character, they add two dice to their attack roll, which allows them to high roll quite a bit and get through their tree. Then, of course, their tree itself is pretty potent. Their expertise is nothing to really write home about, but they must have some weakness. Because everything's good, right? <laughs> it's, uh, everything's good. And their expertise on their melee is actually pretty good. I mean, one for one and an auto damage on the blade is not terrible. And the four is that crit, strike, auto damage. I always find it interesting that the upper echelon of expertise is these really large numbers. And it's kind of like, we feel bad that you rolled so many expertise. So here's a little consolation prize. Yeah, you you had four results that you turned to three results, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, these ladies are really good. And they're really versatile, too. Obviously, there's, their durability is low. They go down quick once they get engaged in melee. And we are in a melee meta at the moment. But they've got to have some weaknesses, like you said, Amon. And I think they are contenders for the bottom of A. That's so interesting. I would actually put them above the ARF. Above the ARFs. Okay. Because the ARFs are in the middle of A. Yeah. Because right now, it's Supermando's ARF Troopers, Fourth Sister. I definitely think they're better than Fourth Sister. Yeah. True. Yeah, I forgot she's the bottom of A, right. So if the conversation is, what's the X factor? They're three and they're, she's four. So if the ARFs are three, then that might be the reason why they're a little bit better than the Night Sisters. I mean, the Night Sisters are better than the ARFs. Like, like they have more things in every category, right? Yeah. So I could totally see them being right behind Supermandos. I'm on. I dig it. They got a lot of versatility. And once again, I also think you could just grab these characters with only a couple Dathomirians in your list, you don't have to go all Dathomirians. Or you could even just grab them with like just Mother, right? You could just have like just Mother. Or just Maul or just Asajj. Yeah, and that's enough. Like, it's enough. And, and really, honestly, even if they lose their Dathomirian Expose, everything else in the card is so good. You're not missing out on a ton, especially in a premiere format. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Night Sisters, And I agree that everything in A so far deserves to be A with definitely a conversation for Fourth Sister. But yeah. Yeah. Well, we have one more unit to evaluate before we reevaluate the entire tier list yes clone commandos this one's tough this one's really tough so clearly better than 501st and 212 mm-hmm. but worse than ours mm-hmm. pound for pound points for points right so that would immediately put them somewhere in b and i think that's a fair spot for them i think they're like as the game is designed intended spiel i gave earlier about b right i agree it's interesting because they have six stamina, but then they have built-in protection. I think it should have still been seven stamina with built-in sure. protection. For sure. I don't know why they dropped it down to six. The armor doesn't feel quite as powerful as it should. Yeah. Steadfast is cool if they have hunker. Scale is nice. Coordinated fire damage is actually probably the least exciting coordinated fire we've seen. Easily. But it helps in a pinch. Yeah, I would say you're right. I think they're definitely in B. The question is where in B. Are they better than Clan Kree's? Nah. Are they better than B2s? No. Are they better than bounty hunters? Probably not. Yeah, my answer would be no. Are they better than B1s? No. Okay. (laughs) So they're the bottom of B, right before the 212th. Is the final spot, right? Poor Republic. All their clones right there all together. Arf's on the top, but you know everyone else is just hanging out. So let's recap this tier list and then let's talk about it. Yeah, we might make some tweaks. Yeah, I agree. I think I think there's definitely one tweak, but for me personally, that's standing out. But, you know, it's a co-op decision. So in S tier, in order, 
We have Fifth Brother and the Magna Guards. Sounds right. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I don't think there's any change required there. In Tier A, we have, in order, Super Commandos, Night Sisters, Arv Troopers, and Fourth Sister. Sounds good. Notice one light side character is here. We finally found our first light side character. <laughs> hey, you know what it is? Don't hate the player, hate the game, bro. Apparently. I get it, man. I mean... It is unfortunate. It's frustrating frustrating when the stuff you like isn't very good, but it also on brand for you, Jesse, is trying to make stuff that isn't good, good. Oh, yeah. And I'm doing it, so don't worry. Ooh. Tokyo smack. (laughs) Winning games with Republic, right? Still. So I would say that I would like to have a second look at Fourth Sister. Maybe she's not A after we've kind of read some stuff. She's B. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's save that for a second. B tier in order, Clan Crees, B2s, Bounty Hunters, B1s, Clone Commandos, 212th, C tier in order, Naboo Handmaidens, and 501st. I personally have two tweaks I would make. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Jesse, what are your potential tweaks you would make? Fourth Sister's got to come down to B, I think. Okay, if we put Fourth Sister at B, then I think she probably slots in between the B2s and the Bounty Hunters. Yeah. So Clan Crees and B2s kind of remain king in this category. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. And I think 212 go to C tier. Sell me on B tier because I, I haven't been sold. I think I tried earlier. I don't think I, I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I think all that went out the window when you said the handmaidens were on the bubble of B and C because I that's where we were saying the 212 were the whole time on the bubble of B and C, right? So the handmaidens kind of disrupt the math if we want them in C. I do think the 212th are now the top of C. Agreed. And I would say, looking at this list one more time, I don't know, Clan Crees and B2s, it could be either one of them. They could swap places on a given day. What the What's the weather like, you know? Yeah, and I'm happy to put B2s in front of Clan Crees. I don't necessarily think there's a, too much of a shift there. So let's put B2s in front of the Clan Crees. And what's cool about these models, these B2s and Clan Crees, and I think me and Amon mentioned in the episode, but I will tell you again while we're here, because make no mistake, in a all droid separatist list, I'm talking Kalani and Kraken and all of the droids, B2s are probably A. And in a all Mandalorians list, I'm talking all Mandalorians, Clan Krees are probably bottom of A as well. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to evaluate these lists. Very hard. But when you compare all these units against one another, I think this list does feel right. It, it starts materializing for sure. And I almost think, and you can stop me here, but... I also think there is an argument that clone commandos could be C. And the point I'm trying to make is that Republic support units are bad and they need help, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, case in point, I'm on. We were talking about like maybe not grabbing models blindly. That's a bad way to go. You know, to plug some holes in your list for the public, you probably could just grab clan crease instead of a clone. And probably your win rate goes up because now you have a jetpack and consistent shoves. Yeah, I mean, you, you take the ARFs, you take the Clan Crees, and you miss out on some coordinated fire pins or damages or strains, but do you care? Probably not. You've got a more self-sufficient unit that can help you just blanket do better on a baseline level. Because like for me almost, I think the Commandos and the 212th are comparable. I would agree. And that's something you and I have been touting for a while, right? Because people don't respect the 212th enough. People give the Commandos too much praise. Mm-hmm. So I think we're saying they're honestly neck and neck. So that wouldn't make the commandos immediately jump down to C. Yeah, because I just don't think the way that those two units impact the board is the same way that the B1s do it. No. And the B1s are the bottom. So if they're not on level with the B1s, then they're the tier below. So now we can examine the C tier. I think 501st remain at the bottom. 
That's a given. Do we change the positioning of our handmaiden ladies with these clones? Where, 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 are we, where are we looking at the top of C now? That's so interesting, man, because at this point, it's semantics. Probably 212th Commandos Naboo Handmaidens. I'll give it to you, Jesse. 212th Commandos Handmaidens, 501st. Because at the end of the day, you know something clones actually do do, Amon. They don't do damage, and they also die, but they do do coordinated fires. You know coordinated fire I want more? Pinned. Yeah, I agree with that. And I like the way you phrase that, because that's true. And this is really interesting, because it does highlight the unfortunate state of affairs when it comes to playing Republic in this game, in that sometimes it feels like an uphill battle because your supports don't do anything. Right. I think it's really interesting to talk about this, and maybe I'd love to explore this in another episode. Maybe we can call it the Republic problem. <laughs> the fall of the Republic. <laughs> fall of the republic the challenge with this un- these units is that obi-wan's identity is so integral to the way that these clones work but you don't want to have to run obi-wan in every list his identity is amazing but he doesn't bump them to a either Mm-mm. he makes them b's at max at max when they're just when you're playing them perfectly when you're playing them perfectly making no mistakes yeah, it's also really unfortunate too, Amon, because I mean, you can easily see the dist- the distribution of light side versus dark side. Also, glaringly obvious, the Republic tag, as you said, like let's forget light side, dark side. Let's just talk about the Republic tag, like you said, and the supports are the lifeblood of this game. I know we we play this game because the primaries get to have these duels, do these amazing force powers, do all these cool things on their trees. But really, the supports are the bread and butter of this game. They're winning you points. There's two bodies, you know. Mm-hmm. They win you games. They win you games. So to have the supports be down this far, and I think I'm on other people's tier lists, they would venture to say that some clones are in D, possibly, right? But you mm-hmm. and I have seen these clones in the hands of an experienced player that's put in the time, that's put in the effort, and that's the position we're coming at today. This is tenured people playing on even levels, like you said. So I think that's why these clones ended up in C, but you could also make an argument for some of these clones being in D, if you really wanted to. It's interesting you say that, because... I'll give the designers a little bit of grief for Republic supporting units, for sure. Right. But I don't think it's enough to where any of these units can be considered D. Yeah, we don't think anything's at that level. I mentioned earlier that definition of D, which is like broken, opposite of S-tier broken. Yeah. Opposite of the spectrum broken. And and it's interesting because if you look at this tier list, right, and you imagine that there's a curve, the bell curve, you would want B to be the largest. And it is. And then, unfortunately... When you look at all the units, there are four units in C, three in A and S, and you kind of want everything to be B or higher, right? And you don't want anything in S, ideally. And you don't want anything in D either, right? So if the bell curve was a half circle, right, facing up, and the middle was B, and the left was S and A, and the right was C, okay, you're kind of running a little closer to E, you know, if you're looking at a gas tank on empty, right? And so what you really want it is you want to be closer to the middle. And so what I would love to see is future units, right? We don't know if they're ever going to do an errata or an FAQ when it comes to Shatterpoint. In fact, it's too early in the game's life cycle to For ever sure. do anything like that. If AMG probably does decide to do something, it'll be a year or two from now, right? So we're kind of stuck with these units for a while. And we're going to get more and more units. And Empire and Rebels are definitely going to change the way we play this game. And who knows? Then D might have to be a category that we explore. And so I'd love to do a tier list maybe six months from now. Yes. To see where we're at. Oh, man. If the Rebels and Empire shift the clones down to D, that's going to be more concrete information of like where everyone really is, right? And it might happen. It might happen. 
Yes. And I have a suspicious feeling that they might just because yeah. we've seen a little bit of Lando and Bartu D2. And they already look better than most of the units. <laughs> they also cost three. Yes. Oh, man. So good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We'll see where they land for sure. Mm-hmm. But they're not looking like a C or D character. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Oh, man. This was fun. I'm on. This took some twists and turns. I'm glad we approached it through our lens because this is our opinion. But it's also where we think the game is right now. And I think this is a good indicator of where we, we've seen the game is at. And, you know, shout out to, you know, given fourth sister and the two twelfth and models like that, the credit they are due. Cause I think a lot of people will just shell these pieces and never play them. Right. And we we gave you reasons today why you might play them and why they might fit in the respective tiers. But then you've got people like brother Magnus, Supermandos, night sisters and arfs, basically all, everything I'm on plays, everything I'm on plays all in these five spots. That is every model you play. All five <laughs> it's of really those. every model. <laughs> I don't play Magnus, actually. Right. Right. I don't but, play Magnus. But my premier list is effectively, in most cases, Fifth Brother, Supermandos, Night Sisters, ARF. In this specific moment in time, I've swapped Fifth Brother for Clan Crease. Right. And there would be people in the community that would venture to tell you, try Magnus in that ARF slot. And you wouldn't disagree with them. But I mean, you just like the ARFs. Yeah, I think you. Vader, Django, ARFs is just as good as possibly Vader, Django, Magnus. Yeah. Maybe Magnus are better, but I just appreciate that expose on command. For sure. Well, this was fun. I'm really excited to do our next one, which is going to be secondaries. I think the secondary one is going to be the most compelling, to be honest, because I think the secondary one is maybe the people people might be getting the most wrong, too, maybe. Um, in theory, we'll see. Because I think primaries, people know the good ones and people know the bad ones, right? There's some nuance in the middle that people haven't discussed that we want to talk. But I think the secondaries have a lot of interesting space to explore and discuss. Yeah, they do. Spoilers, Django's S tier. He's the top of S tier. He's not even <laughs> S tier. He just is. <laughs> Man, I have some thoughts on Django. We'll talk about it. Spoiler that episode I'm on. I think Django's our only S tier with secondaries, but we'll, that there might be someone pushing up trying to get there, but we'll see. You could argue that Kalani. Yeah, I, I could see anybody like give me a case that Kalani or Obi-2 are trying to be S tier. Yeah, I would definitely say Obi-2 over Kalani. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's, I forgot that's about what OB2. I was refer- That's what I was referencing was, yeah. was OB2. OB2 could be considered S tier because he can fit in any list and do great. Yeah, but Kalani is still there and he's always watching. He's always ready. So, But we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, and you know, let us know if you enjoyed our conversation and discussion. We are exploring the idea of potentially having guests attend as well on episodes like these. Yeah. Just to add another voice because Jesse and I tend to agree on a lot. And while we did disagree I'm a fair amount today, yeah. it would be cool to have even more disagreements. Fair enough. That would be really good. But this was a really fun episode to do, Amon, and I can't wait to do the next one, honestly. But it might be a minute because you and I will be out of the country. Yeah, I think it's a good time to tell everyone that when you hear this episode drop, Jesse and I will be either in Copenhagen, Denmark, or traveling to Copenhagen, Denmark for the Marble Crisis Protocol World Championships, World Team Championships, where we'll both be representing the United States, which is very exciting. So it'll be hard to release an episode the following week. So we might take a one week break, just a heads up. Yeah. And that's just for logistic reasons. We will try to do something while we're there. For sure. But we're also like in Europe, in another city. Without our microphones. 
And it might just be cooler to go sightsee and, and visit, maybe meet locals and try some European alcohol. So, And discuss that <laughs> on the Patreon feed for sure. Yeah, we'll talk about our world championship experience on the Candid Cantina for sure. But yeah, just giving you all a heads up. Yeah, I'm really glad we brought that up, Amon. And we mentioned that to the listeners because you guys mean a lot to us. And if there's a slight break, it's because we will be out of the country both times we would record transparently, right? Because we will be, we'll be there almost a week, right? So it's like this, this, this cycle of us just jet lag, being gone, logistics, as Amon said, getting back to our hometowns and, you know, so many elements, right? So we are excited to return this tier list very soon though. And we will be doing that when we get back. So stay tuned for that. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode in particular. So we think this one's going to spark a lot of cool discussion, how we were right or wrong. And in that like time of you know the slight break, we'd love to discuss with you on the Discord and on our social media pages how right or wrong you thought we were in this discussion. And maybe it helps you reframe your thoughts on something like Fourth Sister or the 212th, right? Or you know maybe we all came to the conclusion today that those Naboo handmaidens are further down the list than we'd like to admit initially. But, you know, they still work amazing with Padme. That's what's so tough, Amon, about all Arguably this. Arguably better with Sabe. Yes, for sure with Sabe. <laughs> They need Sabe. They can't do without her, you know, which mm-hmm. very canon accurate. Which is a point in against them because they're not flexible. Not at all. You're yeah. list locked pretty much if you want to run them. Absolutely. So, well, we enjoyed this journey with you guys and you, you should find us several places online. So you can find us on Patreon, like I mentioned a couple times throughout this show. Check us out on patreon.com slash hello there cast if you want to join our patron community and we thank all of our patrons for their support. You can also find us online on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch all at the same place, at HelloTheirCast. And you can email us at HelloTheirCast at gmail.com. Leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It means a lot to us. Jesse, where can everyone find you? You can find me on X, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord, all at the same place, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. Of course, there's going to be some WTC coverage there. And a lot happening because we're going to this major event. So I'll be covering that on my social media pages as well, hopefully. But as Amon said, who knows? When we're in Europe, jet lagged, trying to see a beautiful country, time might slip away. Amon, where can everyone find you? When in Denmark, do as the Danish do. Yes. You can find me, Amon, on X at Aman Who Games. And everywhere else, you can just find me as Amon Kusro. In the tier list of all Amons, I am the S tier Amon. So keep that in mind when evaluating all Amons in your life. Do not nerf. I am the only Amon <laughs> that keeps the other Amons in checks. I'm also the founder and host of Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. We are celebrating the recent, or rather upcoming release of Death Gorge, the ninth season of Warhammer Underworlds. So if you're looking for audio and written content, check out pathtoglorypodcast.com. You're going to find a ton of great stuff. And if you're interested in that game, keep listening because there's a lot more good stuff coming down the pipe, including potentially a tier list. Whoa. Brought it all back, ladies and gentlemen. Brought it all back. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you on the other side. May the force be with you. (laughs) 